Brandon Van Kieran. I am the kids director here at Mercy Vineyard, and I have been selected to do the message today. I'm so excited. I'm pumped. I've been preparing for this for a long time. It's so great to finally be at this point. Um, so, uh, here at Mercy Vineyard, we are living... Where's our mission statement? One, okay, I'm the kids director. Well, I'm going to kill some time. The kids, whenever we do this part, we have the same mission statement in the kids' church. They can recite this from memory backwards. It's annoying. <laughs> okay, so here at Mercy Vineyard, we are living a passionate mission to love grow and go for the greater glory of God. Yes. Yes, and it's the exact same for the kids. They say this every week. They ask me, why do we say this every week? So you remember it. (laughs) Okay. I am going to be concluding our two-part series on uh, living hidden in God in the social media world. Last week, Lee talked about how when we take regular breaks from social media, it detoxifies our soul. And uh, when we seek solitude, you know, it strengthens our friendship with God. And that by eliminating distractions, we create room for the Holy Spirit to lead us into something better. You know, and as I, I listened to that and I read his notes, I had his notes before you guys, way before you guys heard his message. Um, and uh, I was like, it's not just something better. The two things are not comparable. You know, the, what the Holy Spirit's leading us into is life and life eternal. What the distractions are are the path to destruction. You know, in like uh, Deuteronomy, you know, Moses says, I present to you today life and death, blessings and a cur- or, or a curse. I implore you to choose life. I just thought I'd put that little parenthetical on there. It's like, ooh. But yes. And so today, I'll be concluding. I'm going to talk a little bit more. He talked more about taking breaks from social media, getting away from it, which is very, very important. I'm going to talk a little bit more about living hidden in God. And uh, so, I don't know about you, but for me, social media is like a blessing and a curse. Uh, when I, back in the day, When I first started using social media, you know, uh, it was probably like 2008 when I started using it. And I didn't use the usual ones. I had a Facebook account in 2008. I didn't post anything. And I got it in March that that year. Didn't post anything until December that year. It was the first time I posted anything on uh, Facebook. But I I used other sites like DeviantArt and uh, Flickr because... uh, at that point in my life, I was going through a pretty heavy depression. And one of my friends told me, they realized I had some ability to write, like poetry and stuff like that. They're like, you know what you should do? You should publish your stuff out there on the internet. And uh, like what, what's the wonderful thing about a community like DeviantArt, especially back then, uh, is it was just full of so many encouraging people. And just like, that's all there were. It's like, every, like people found me. I had fans. I am blown away by that. I had fans. 
And because uh, I didn't grow up having any fans. You know, not even my parents. <laughs> I'm kidding. Well, kind of. <laughs> but, you know, that was great. It, it allowed me space to create, or to create, um, what am I saying? Create, like, of things of my own expression, to express myself. And it built my confidence to do that kind of stuff, something that I never had before. I didn't have people like, wow, that's really good. And, all that stuff. and it's like, whoa, this is great. And so that was my first experience with uh, social media. But since, um, you know, then my relationship with social media has become a little bit sporadic because I don't much like it anymore. It is now a curse a lot of the time. And over the time, over time, my, I began to wrap my identity around my self-expression. So I went from poetry rather quickly into photography because I was like, I'm okay at that. I can see potential here. I was running out of things to write about, and so I was going into something else. And over time, years, that kind of became my identity. And uh, so I would just worry about taking good pictures, posting good things, and all this stuff. And you know, I'd find myself thinking myself better than other people because I'm a photographer. What are you? But and also like, and on top of that. You know, I would also look at other people's posts and stuff like that, and I would just tear myself down. And uh, Instagram, how many people here are on Instagram? I have two Instagram accounts, uh, so I count twice. <laughs> I don't post either one. <laughs> um, and, I'm a, uh, and so I tried to experiment this last year to post every day on Instagram, and I was doing really good. I'd, the most consistent I'd ever been uh, with social media, and it was probably the most miserable my life had ever been. <laughs> because I'd be sitting there, I'd be worrying about finding a picture to take that people would like. And when you have a full-time job, and you have volunteer responsibilities at a church, and you know a girlfriend that would like to talk to you, <laughs> and so like something something has to give like there's just not enough time in my day for all the things that I want to do and uh, and so I'd be sitting there just stressing about like, trying to go get these pictures trying to make the perfect caption trying to figure out the perfect you know hashtag so that more people will see it um, and uh, and then also along with that I'd be looking at other photographers work not just like normal photographers. Like, you know, I can unkindly say, there, there's talented photographers in the Quad Cities. None of them are on Instagram. <laughs> At least not that I've found. I'm pretty sure they're hiding somewhere. Um, and, uh, but I'm talking like people who millions of people follow. I'm looking at their stuff and I'm like, I'm never going to be that. Never am I going to be that. I'm never going to be that good. I'm never going to have enough money to have the equipment to do that good. I'm just, I'm too old. I'm too lazy. And all this, I'm just sitting here with this constant reminder of like, you're a failure. You're lazy. You're not really good at this. And this all culminated, uh, culminated my bad, wrong word, 
um, culminated in, I had a conversation with somebody and uh, they, were, they were telling me like, oh, it, it was a path, it was a, not even a critique, okay? This is how miserable I had become. It wasn't even a critique. It was a passing co comment. And I was like, oh, this person's like, hey, I have some photographer friends that I think you could benefit from hanging out with. And I took that as, you suck. <laughs> You're a trash photographer. You need to learn to be better. But it wasn't because anything that person said. It's because I had put so much weight in my identity, of, of, so much of my identity into being a good photographer. Because to me, this is my, my way out of the, some, the thing that I'm trying to run away from. You know, the identity I'm trying to escape, you know, which is the white trash kid from the trailer park. You know, that poor boy who drives a ratty car you know, the person whose parents got divorced right after he was born, who grew up being told he's the milkman's child. And uh, since I'm trying to run away from that identity, in running to the wrong thing, I let this passing comment destroy me. And since then, I posted once. It was one picture. It was a picture of a cat because the internet's for cats. <laughs> but maybe you have had a similar experience with, with social media. I mean, I can almost guarantee you've had some sort of experience like that because this is not a social media problem. This problem has been around for forever. You know, to, to paraphrase a wise man, Social media didn't start the fire. It was already burning since the world um, been turning. I forgot the line. You're welcome. If you had that song stuck in your head for the rest of the day, you have me to thank. <laughs> so maybe you find yourself placing your identity too much in things that are just temporary. Your social economic status like I do, your abilities, your capabilities, you know, you might have days where your inability, like your physical inability to do things causes you to attack yourself. You might have times where you're, when you fail, you just go and you rip yourself to pieces. And, or you might have times you're on the other end of the spectrum where you do so great that you just trash everybody else. And, but secretly, we all know you're doing the exact same thing. But, you know, no matter what you think about yourself, you know, no matter what you try to put your identity in, it could be anything. Your politics, your gender, your race, your, your, I already said social economic status, your car, your ability, your, your possessions, all these things are temporary. Even the things that people say about you are temporary. And it, it's not what we are made for. Uh, and we have to uh, look to God to see how do we live a life in confidence, 
How do we live a life in security? And where do we find that security? Um, before that, I'm going to pray. Lord, I just thank you so much for being here today, for being chosen to give this message. I pray for all of us, for myself included, that we would look to you for strength, that we would look to you for our identity, that we would look to you for protection, that we would honestly evaluate ourselves and let you enter our lives where we need you the most. And I just pray that we would all walk away from here strengthened in our love for you, in our love from you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, we are going to read from Colossians 3, 1 through 4, which says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. That is such a great verse. Such a great verse. Uh, yeah. Uh, my favorite part about this, okay? I'm not just killing time. because uh, My favorite part about this is when Christ, who is your life, appears. Man, so good. So good. So, today... If you, if, when you leave, I want this to be planted in your head. This is going to sound cheesy. An identity in Christ, is, an identity hidden in Christ, is better than one found in comments and likes. Uh, too often, in this world, we look to the things of the world to try to define ourselves, to try to value ourselves, to ascribe value to ourselves. And in, that's just not what we were made for. We were not made for temporary things to value us. Um, and um, when we do that, uh, we are trading our birthright for a bowl of soup. You guys know the story of Jacob and Esau. Esau came back from a, a hunt. And he came, went up to his brother who was cooking, who didn't go out on the hunt because he was a sissy. Um, at least that's what Esau would think. And he's like, Jacob, my brother, give me some of your soup. 
And then Jacob, being the crafty man he was, he was like, sell me your birthright this moment, and I'll give you a bowl of soup. And Esau's reply was, I am going to starve to death. What good is my birthright if I'm dead? So give me this bowl of soup. And he swore that day, ate his soup, or stew, whatever it was, drank his drink, and went his way. And the Bible even says that he despised his birthright. What was his birthright? He was this son, you know, he's the descendant of Abraham. He was inheriting the covenants that God had made with Abraham. That God would be his mighty shield. That his life would be found in him. He traded that for a bowl of soup. And when we look to the things of the world to define us, to protect us, to place value in, we are doing that exact thing. When God asks us to do the exact opposite. The exact opposite. He asks us to trade a bowl of soup for the birthright. If that, all we have to do is believe him. Isn't that mind-boggling? Um, another point, uh, you were made for the eternal, not the temporary. Uh, there's a lot of things in life that we, as I've said, try to place our value in, and they are temporary. This is going to be a little bit morbid, but I want you to think about this. Just look around. Everybody you see here is going to die. These chairs are going to wither away long after you're dead because they're made of plastic. This building will someday fall down burn, be destroyed by something, the United States will fall. So everything that you are trying to put your value in is temporary. It is dust. We are, you know, from the dust we came to the dust we shall return. And, you know, when we try to uh, just look to the things, the physical things around us, to, to va subscribe value to ourselves, it ultimately rings back hollow because we are looking to things whose value is found elsewhere to find value for ourselves. And there's another side of this coin. You know, at the same time where we're trying to look for value, we devalue ourselves in the same way. Because in the material world, there is no forgiveness. There is action and consequence. You know, action, reaction. We all know the, the you know, physics, you know, action, reaction. It applies in life too. And so when we do stuff, we, we sometimes make mistakes. Sometimes big mistakes. Sometimes things happen to us that weren't even our fault. You know? I have some pretty bad things happen to me in my life. Lots of them. There's, there's a, uh, a thing 
there's a little survey that you can do. I don't know where you can find it. It's the adver it's uh, what's it called? They're ACEs. Um, they're adverse childhood experiences, and you can go take a survey and see how many of you didn't get. You know, it's like Pokemon. You're trying to collect them all. Actually, you're not. It's the exact opposite. <laughs> I think there's like ten. Ten or so. I ha I have six or seven, depending on whether one thing happened or not. Like I said, my parents got divorced right after I was born. So I had to live telling myself I was responsible for that. Even if people didn't tell me. I can look at things in a chronological order. I was born, my parents split up. Cause, effect. Whether it's true or not. But, we can't do that. We can't. We can't sit there and let our failures, to let the bad things that happen to us, define us. You know, I have some friends that have some pretty bad things happen to them. I'd say the same thing to them. We can't let the bad things that happen to us define us. You know, there's a uh, popular idiom, I guess it would be called, or a par or par or not a parable, proverb, other P word. Uh, you know, don't be so heavily minded that you're no earthly good. Am I the only one who's heard that? Anybody heard that? Uh, but you also have to worry about not being so earthly minded that you're no heavenly good. We have to let God enter into our lives and define us. And, and uh, let what he says about us give value to us. Because what he says is eternal. Because he is eternal. He created all things, and in him all things exist. Uh, and his word never changes. It's, it's always there. He's, he's always saying the same thing to you. No matter what bad thing you tear yourself down with, God is always there saying that he loves you. There's a story in Ezekiel. I think it's like Ezekiel 16 or 6 or something like that. I don't know. You can look it up. It's a really good. There's a, there's a Gunger song. If you don't want to read, you can listen to a song. It's called Ezekiel by Gunger. Um, and it's a story of God. He's telling a story about finding Israel. And he's walking or going along or whatever God's doing in the story. And uh, he sees this child in the, the mud, in the mire covered in blood, in filth, just absolutely dirty. And he picks this child up out of the muck in mire, cleans the child, takes their dirty clothes away, and gives them new, clean clothes, puts jewelry on them, ascribes the utmost value to this person. And that it's the love that God has for you. Now, the sad part about the story is that person took everything that God gave them. And I'm going to use the words that the Bible uses. And hoard herself out there. She used that stuff to go and squander what God gave them. And it destroyed her. But the, the wonderful thing is, because Jesus tells us this in the story of the prodigal son. Even if we've done that, 
we can return to him and he will run to us and give us a new robe again. That, that's just amazing. So we cannot let our failures define us. We have to let what God says about us define us. So I'll tell you another hard thing. Okay, here comes another hard thing. Hiding in Christ is not a spectator sport. You have a part to play. Okay? You can't just sit there and passively just assume God's going to come along and do this for you. Even though in that story, he kind of does. Even in the story of the prodigal son, the son had to return on his own you know, volition, in his own will. He had to return to his father. He came kind of for the wrong reasons. He's like, well, I'm here. I'm eating pig food, or not even pig food. Starved him to death. Squandered all my wealth. I'm just going to go to my father. Maybe I can get a job for him and actually get paid. Make some money. He didn't come there expecting his, God, his dad to forgive him to reestablish him in the family. I mean, he basically told his dad, you're dead to me, give me my money. And, uh, but he still had to come back. And, you know, even the, the verse that we had um, points this out. You know, in verse 1 and 2, the, there's two words in there that are action words, seek and set. Seek and set. So seek. Seek those things which are above. And set your mind on th- those things that are above. There are other places in the Bible that say very similar things. Proverbs, one of the most popular Proverbs that at least I quote. I think it's Proverbs 4.23. Uh, Keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it issue, uh, or out of it spring the issues of life. Uh, what else? What seek and you will find. Jesus says that. But yeah, you have to seek out these things. Philippians 4. Whatever things are, what I can't remember it. Whole, like my, uh, I don't have it written down. That's why. Uh, whatever things are, you know, worthy of praise, you know, should be honored, and all this stuff. It goes through a whole list. Set your mind to meditate on those. It says in the version I read. Um, and uh, so you have to you have to do that out. And so uh, one of the most powerful verses: Take captive your thoughts. It's uh, in Corinthians. Um, take captive your thoughts. So one way you can do this. So there's a thing. If you want to do some more research on this, later you can. It's called CBT. Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. And there's a part of it where you basically you evaluate something that happened, your thought about that thing that happened, your feelings about that, uh, that thing, and what you did. And then you present a... Oh, it's a rational... Uh, it's a, basically another way of thinking about it, um, and uh, and so you, what you're doing is you're identifying the things of which cause you pain, cause you hardship, that cause you to have feelings that you don't want to have, or that you shouldn't have, to have actions and thoughts that you shouldn't have. So like when you fail and you beat the crap out of yourself, you know, there's a high likelihood that I'm probably going to feel tempted to do the same thing. Uh, after this because it wouldn't matter how good I do I will sit there and try to find some way to, to beat myself up for making even the smallest mistake um, and you have to sit there and take that okay 
there's this thought. There's a little bit more to it than all this, but there's this thought. And then you have to question that thought. There might be evidence for that thought. Go ahead. Think about that. Write it down. What is the evidence that this thought that I'm thinking, you know, let's say you're thinking that I'm a horrible person because of this thing. Is there evidence for that? You might be able to find something. You write it down. And then, here's the hard part. Is there evidence against it? Is there something that counters those statements? Write those down. And then basically you get to make a choice. Referencing uh, back, you, you were presented with the choice. Life or death. Blessing or a curse. Didn't even plan that one. <laughs> and then you read the verdict. And so this is not an overnight thing. That's the whole, that's the wonderful thing about, you know, these kind of, this, that kind of thing, is that it gives you a tool to move forward. Rather than me just saying there, well, you just got to capture your thoughts and good luck. No, write them down. Question them. Present, you know, the case for this thought. Present the case against the thought. Write down what you're saying about yourself. Write down what God says about you. Now, this requires some other homework. Read your Bible. I know, I know. It's kind of the obvious one. But it does help. You can listen to it, too. There are mere, there's a lot of ways to consume the Bible. But we're also called to do more than consume the Bible. We are called to study it, to evaluate it, to set our life on it. Jesus says, you know, um, I liken the man who builds his life upon my words to a wise man. And then what he likens the people who don't do that to? Fools. I'm not saying, you know, we all have our problems, but what, what, what he's saying is that his word's eternal. And when you build on his word, it cannot be shaken. It cannot be blown over. It is hard to destroy. But when you build on the temporary things of the world, it can be easily destroyed. It's on sand. I don't know. I, I mean, I bet you we've all been to a beach. Sand's not exactly the most sturdy of structures. So, finally, I just want to tell you, your true, your real identity is hidden in Christ. Nothing else. You can seek satisfaction, fulfillment, and anything else, even good things. Volunteering at church, helping the homeless, feeding the poor, clothing the naked, you know, going to camp. You can try to find your worth and value in those things, but your true identity is hidden in Christ. And one of the wonderful things about this whole thing is if your identity is hidden in Christ, this idea, it, I'm a history buff. I learn about Roman history a lot. And one of the structures that they used for fighting wars was called a phalanx. This is an early one. Then they moved, it's a different one, but uh, a phalanx. It was adapted from the Greeks. And what they would do, they have a line of men. Actually, it's a rectangle of men. Um, and at the front of this, 
there would be a bunch of guys with these giant shields that overlapped with the person next to them. And as long as those guys stayed together, they were very hard to defeat. In, in God's interaction with Abraham, we see that this is kind of what he's likening hiding in him to, is hiding behind a shield. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. That's what he said to Abram. Abram, at the time. It wasn't even Abraham yet. And so as long as we stay behind those shields, uh, we are protected from the enemy. And that's kind of the important thing about being at church with people. You know, we are living in a time where people, uh, you know, haven't been like, well, I don't really need to go to church. I can watch it online. You can, and it, that, it, that's good. That's good, but... I was listening to a commentator talk about this idea in that the reason why we come to, to church physically, meet face to face with people, is because of this. Because we manifest the invisible God here, face to face. We are part of the phalanx. You know, when the, one person is not a phalanx, no. So, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we see this, you know, for you died. That's what it says. For you died, your life is hidden with Christ and God. We cannot keep digging up the old man. We can't go it alone. And we can't keep digging up the old man. So, it's time for some self-reflection. For all of us, for you. Where in your life are you seeking fulfillment, seeking definition, seeking identity apart from God? Where are you tearing yourself down? How are you puffing yourself up? You know, you have, and you know, remember, you gotta take these things. There's a tool. I explained it. It's called putting your thoughts on trial. You've got to put your thoughts on trial and evaluate. Find the truth and find God and place your identity in Him because He cannot be shaken. And just imagine what we can do if we, if we stop being so busy being depressed because we're looking around at all the perfect lives around us, cultivated. You know, bringing this back to social media. In today's day and age, social media is a business. I mean, it's always been a business. They make money by you using their service. And they're trying to provide to you something. What is that something that they're trying to provide? Approval, acceptance affirmation, and even other things. People even get addicted to beating themselves up, comparing themselves to other people, feeling bad for themselves, because then they can go to their friend, I feel so bad about myself. Can you make me feel better? No, they can't. I mean, they can temporarily. But until you place your identity where it belongs, that's a Band-Aid on a gaping wound. It's not going to do much. 
But just think of all the good that we could do. Just think of all the transformation that we can bring. Well, we don't have to think too big. To this neighborhood. To this city. To this area. To the people in our lives. To our children. Well, your children. I don't have any children yet. But yeah. That's all I got. Let's <laughs> worship you come up. I'm going to pray. Um, so, I just want to encourage you. If you resonated with any of this, any of it, Get prayer. Find someone to pray for you. You know, we'll have this one prayer team member in the back. They can pray for you. Here's another novel concept. Have the person next to you pray for you. Um, and, uh, yeah. Jesus, we have all all lived lives where we have made mistakes where we have done bad things where we have done terrible things where we have done good things taken the glory for ourselves we have had things that have hurt us that we did not choose to have illnesses disabilities injuries People have done terrible things to us. And Lord, we collectively ask you to define our identity in you. To free us from those chains. To heal those wounds that lead us into death, destruction, addiction. Lord, I pray that we would find you in our heart. That we would find you in our longing because you are what we are longing for. I pray that you would be with us because you are. That we would realize you are here. You are always here always in our largest success in our most terrible failure you are with us so I just thank you so much for the life that you have given to us for the future that you have for us for the eternity that you made us for us and let your face shine down upon us.